I will dismiss the youth, but I want the youth to hear one thing before they leave. This is somebody's birthday today. You know whose birthday it is? This is the most, this is the birthday of the most important person in the world. This is the birthday of the most powerful person in the world. This is the birthday of the most connected person in the world. We, this person is referred to as a female. Now, one more hint. This person is over 2,000 years old. Do you know who this person is? This person is the bride of the Lamb. This person is the church. This person, 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit came down and baptized Peter and the apostles and the others, and the church was born that day. And this day, we're celebrating the birthday of Christ's church, the bride, who is to be with the Savior forever, to be the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Son's bride. And we're all part of that, so let's thank the Lord for the birthday of the bride. Uh, Sim, you are dismissed. You are dismissed now. I've mentioned before that over two, for 2,000 years, for 4,000 years, for 5,000 years, man waited, man waited to hear God speak. God spoke to Moses, gave him Ten Commandments, Gave him a bunch of laws. But God only spoke to Moses. God spoke to David, to some others. But God did not speak to all of us. But 2,000 years ago, God became man. And God spoke. And we had the privilege every Sunday of listening to the words of God, of Jesus who said, I have come that you might have life and have that more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are tired and worn out, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus said, I am the true vine that brings Father's life into the world. Jesus says, before Abraham was I am. So, we've been talking since the first of the year, we've been speaking on the words of Jesus, particularly found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, and it's our desire to get through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 this year. We are really going slow. We've gotten through nine verses of verse 5, chapter 5. But today, we're going to look at the ninth verse of chapter 5 of Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, just to kind of build up to this, we started off with blessed are the poor in spirit. And the poor in spirit are those who know they need God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Who mourn what? Mourn their independence. From God, more in the fact that they were not abiding in the vine, but abiding in their own flesh and the fruits of the flesh. 
which is not love, it's not joy, it's not peace, it's not patience, it's the antithesis of those. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all that's good. And really all that's good is Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never thirst. In fact, out of him shall flow rivers of living water. And blessed are those who are pure in heart. And who are the pure in heart? Those who seek Jesus, not for what he will do for them, but just for who he is. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. Now, have you ever met anybody who... You know the father or you know the mother and then you meet this young lady or young man and you know immediately whose child that is. They had the physical attributes of the parent. Now my son doesn't look at all like me. He's, he's as tall as I wanted to be. And he doesn't have my face. He has my wife's face. But when my friends around him, they say, you know, Rick... When we're around Mark, it's just like being around you. So he has some attributes, not physical, but some other attributes that resemble me. So this verse, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What Jesus is saying is, if someone looks at, or someone comes in contact with, or someone interacts with a peacemaker, they will recognize the fact that they have just interacted with someone who resembles God, who resembles Jesus. So, we could talk about how do you, what does a peacemaker do? But really, that's not, that's not what's so important. What's so important is what is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is one who God has worked in his life and who has given him his very peace. And then he takes that peace into every circumstance and every situation he finds himself in. And that peace changes the field. It can be on an individual basis. He's with someone who is distraught. He's with someone who is seeking truth. And he can share, he can listen. He brings the peace of Christ to that situation and can bring peace between this man and his creator or between, between this person and someone else. A peacemaker can walk into a, a business meeting where there are sides going back and forth and he brings his peace into that meeting and instead of seeing A and B, he sees C. So how does one become a peacemaker? Well, it's very interesting that the first, basically, the verses that lead right up to Matthew 9 tell us how one becomes a peacemaker and what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker is one who, number one, understands his spiritual poverty, understands that he's poor in spirit, and lives this life of dependence upon the Father. Dependence upon the Father. And what happens is when he does that, that the kingdom of heaven, all that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, comes into his life. His primary focus, her primary focus, is the Father. And the reason the focus is there, because the person perceives their need. 
You know, the greatest danger in the world is not being sick. The greatest danger in the world is being sick and not knowing it. Because if we're sick, we typically go to the doctor. We go take care of ourselves. And that's what Lucifer wants to do is make us all think we're okay. Everything's okay. And then we walk around sick most of our lives. He also is a man who is merciful. The peacemaker is a merciful man. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But what makes a person merciful? What makes a person merciful is they have ex themselves experienced mercy. And it's the gospel itself that teaches us that all we deserved was hell and damnation. And each of us was running to hell just as fast as we could go. And one day, Jesus put his foot out and tripped us and captured us and made us his own. And when you and I understand that it's only by the grace of God that we're sitting here as part of the bride today, and we see someone, first of all, anybody outside of the body of Christ acting out, we don't judge them. We just say, there by the grace of God go I. Because if Jesus had not caught me, wrestled me down, put his Holy Spirit into me to convict me, gave me faith to accept him, I would be doing exactly what that person is doing today or maybe even worse. The peacemaker is one who is pure of heart. His motives are not mixed. He has one agenda, and that's to draw his life from Father. And because he has no agenda when he's around other people, he's not confused by their agendas. He doesn't go into conversations. He doesn't go into situations needy or wanting anything. He goes in neutral. I don't know if you've ever heard this, the, 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 the phrase, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. People have dogs. They put them together in circles and fight. If you had a dog in the fight, you're very involved in the fight and you become emotional. Peacemaker doesn't have a dog in the fight. All his interest, all his encouragement is from father and father alone. And when he gets into situations, where people are in conflict over A and B, he can see C. He has wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. We tend to think about, when we see people in trouble, we want to have, we want to be sympathetic. We want to be empathetic. There's an old American Indian says, you know, you need to walk a mile in another man's shoes. Well, the truth of the matter is, if we walk a mile in another man's shoes, shoes we'll understand exactly why he did what he did. And we might say, well, I understand. And maybe God becomes a bad guy. No, we don't walk an aisle in another man's shoes to have wisdom. You get up in the arms of Jesus and let him hold us. And then when we look out into the world, we have his perspective. And some of the troubles those around us have that we love, those troubles, though we would say, Father, take them away, we must understand that Father is using those very troubles to chisel them, to refine them, to conform him, that person, 
into his own image. You know, most of us grow in this world, in this time, in the storms. It's when it's raining, when it's thundering, when it's lightning, when things are breaking and moving. That's when we grow. Someone has said, all sunshine makes a desert. <laughs> a peacemaker is one who brings peace to every situation. Now, why would he be peaceful in most and all situations? Because the peacemaker is abiding in Christ. He's not abiding in his work. He's not abiding in the politics of the day. He's not abiding in nationalism. He's not abiding in ecology. He's not abiding in proper grammar. <laughs> He's not abiding in this type of music or that type of music. He's not abiding in this type of clothing or that type of clothing or this occupation or that occupation or this house or that house or this car. By the way, I saw a neat car this morning. It was red and it was electric. Yes. One of those. I, don't, I, I tried to get in, but I didn't see how you could open the doors. It's just little strips. He's not abiding in any of those things. And see, to the extent we abide in anything other than Jesus, not only are we not peacemakers, but we are pe troublemakers. Because we are troubled. And we take our troubles everywhere we go. You know... How many times have I been around men, you know, you sit down for breakfast, somebody comes in and says, oh, the pollution is terrible in Beijing, and yeah, the traffic's even worse, and this and that and whatever, and there's so much negativism on the table that everybody is diseased. That's the antithesis of peace, diseased, diseased. And most of mankind walks around in this world diseased every day. And they do not bring peace to circumstances and situations and people. They bring their disease. Husbands bring their disease home to their wives and children. Wives bring their disease, greet their husbands with disease when they come home from work because they've been diseased by their children, etc., etc. Do you like pain? Do you like suffering? I didn't see any hands go up. Well, if you don't like pain, if you don't like suffering, I don't like pain, I don't like suffering, then we need to ask ourselves what causes us pain? What causes us disease? Well, the things that cause us pain and the things that cause us disease are those things that we cling to for peace and joy and happiness. that move and break. That car I saw this morning might bring me joy for a moment. But I'd probably drive that thing about two blocks and somebody hit me, and then again, I'm diseased, no joy. And in this world, brothers and sisters, everything moves and everything breaks but Jesus. And this message he has been pounding for 2,000 years and it's still hard for us to grasp because the things of this world are very attractive. Very attractive. 
and the people in this room, we've got it. Do you know that 40% of the people in this world today, living today, don't even have a toilet? I mean, we are the top of the top of the top. Do you know today in Syria, they say ISIS now has maybe 50% of the country? How would you like to be a Christian living there today? That's the next verse, blessed are the persecuted. You know, Robin was saying, come Lord Jesus. People see what's going on and they say, well, this is, this is it. Not quite. When you see it in the streets of Chicago, when you see it in the streets of Moscow, when you see it in the streets of New York, that's it. Those are the real labor pains. And as times go on, as times get tougher, because at this point, actually, common grace is being withdrawn from the earth. Common grace keeps bad from being as bad as it is. God's letting it go. As common grace is being drawn from the earth, what better time when things get dark for the world to see the peace of Christ, the light of the world through you and through me? Because actually... If right now I lit a candle up here, you probably could barely see the flame. But if we turned off all the lights in this room, you could see that flame. And each of us are lights of the world. That's a verse coming up. You are the light of the world. Jesus said it of himself. I am the light of the world. He said you are the light of the world. And as you and I abide in Christ, his light shines through us into this very, very, very dark domain. And you and I this week can have an opportunity, many opportunities, for people to look at you and look at me and say, huh, that must be a son or daughter of God. But that's not going to happen unless you walk into every encounter you and I have this week, every circumstance we find ourselves in, and we're not abiding in the circumstance, but we're abiding in Jesus. And when are people going to notice it? Are they going to notice it when everything is going well? No. They're going to notice it when you're sitting at a restaurant and the waitress spills hot coffee on you. And you look at her and you say, did you hurt yourself? As often as you have noticed somebody else, somebody notices you. We're on stage all the time. Somebody's noticing us. It's at McDonald's. It's at the car wash. It's at the restaurant. It's in every conversation. If we, if we are abiding in Christ, we have his peace. God keeps in perfect peace the mind that is stayed, the mind that is fixed on him. So what does this look like? Does that mean, Rick, you just go around and think about Jesus all day long? Well, it's not a bad thought. How many of you talk to yourself all day long? Yeah, everybody talks to themselves all day long. Well, think about just asking Jesus in that conversation. He didn't, you, don't, you don't even have to ask him a question. Just bring him up. Practice his presence. That's what we need to do. The peacemaker is one who himself has peace and brings that peace to every situation and circumstance he finds himself in. My 14th century mentor 
Thomas Akempis said, a peaceful man, a peaceful man is more influential than a learned man. Not that learning is to be despised, but peace is to be preferred. And Father wants all of us to have the peace given by the Holy Spirit, the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and the life given by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for us now and thank the Lord for uh, the church of Pentecost and, and giving us life. Father, um, we do thank you that 2,000 years ago there was a rumble, there was a shaking, there was something happening and that you, Father, were impregnating your church with your very life and that you have given your very life and you have placed it in each of our hearts who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we thank you for this life that dwells in us. We thank you for this Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do dwell in us. And it is our desire that you would give us the grace to let you rule and flow through our lives as you would choose to, as you flew through the life of our, flowed through the life of our Savior, as you have flowed through the life of many saints, that we would give you the grace, you would give us the grace, to allow you to live your life through us without limitation, without any reserve on our part. We confess that it's so easy for us to cling to things other than you, but when we cling to them, we move when they move, and we are not at peace. We are upset. We are diseased. We do desire to have your peace, but we, we need to be free from those things that, that rob us from that. So, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the grace to, would you would put a new appetite in us, an appetite really for you, and cause the things of this world to just lose our appetites for those things. Father, we can still have them, but, but draw our life from you. That you would be our appetite, you would be our joy, you would be what our hearts long for, that our every thought would be of you, our every longing would be for you, that we would truly, your will would be our heart's desire. And we again thank you for... Uh, our birthday too in, in the body and we look forward to the generations coming who uh, will be part of this body Father and we look forward to the day when we will be united together in heaven with you at the great feast and the wedding of the Lamb and it's in Jesus name we pray Amen